Podmod Bots. Welcome back. If this intro sounds like it's being recorded while I'm standing on a porch next to a busy street half a mile away from Boeing Field where they test jet engines and fly giant planes in and out all day, that's because that's what's happening. And I'll tell you why. The darkness is lifting. And I know not all of you experience the darkness like we do up here in the Pacific Northwest, but it's not unique to us. So to all of you out there who are having their blues fade, their winter blues fade into maybe like a a springtime baby blue, welcome. It feels good, doesn't it? Get some of that vitamin D. Mmm. Yeah. And some of that vitamin PM, and I'm not talking about Tylenol, I'm talking about Podular Podcast. <laughs> That's so stupid. All right, hey guys, welcome. Um, we have got uh, some stuff to talk about. First up, I want to talk about some albums that people are releasing, you know? It's, it's been really cool, uh, getting a lot of people sending me stuff. So if you sent me stuff, and I haven't talked about it yet, it's like you're in a queue, so it's coming. It's coming. Um, but of course, I gotta, I gotta say that Force Damage, a.k.a. Abe from AI Synthesis has a new album on Bandcamp, and it's called Breadth, Breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. And of course, that uh, track that you heard before my dumb dad joke broke the nice uh, spiritual soothing feeling um, was from that from that new album by Forced Damage. Forceddamage.bandcamp.com. F-O-R. S-E-D-A-M-A-G-E. Did I say forced? I think I also said S. F-O-R-C-E. Force. <sighs> I gotta be honest, you guys. The, the allergy medicine that I do have to take makes me a little loopy. Um, another new album that has just been released is uh, from a pod mod bod named Nick Heisch. H-A-I-S-C-H. But his moniker is advanced electric and the album is called from the mountains and the sea which that is a pacific northwest uh title if i've ever heard one and it makes sense because he's coming out of british columbia so uh yeah go check that out at Bandcamp. um from the mountains and the sea by advanced electric in fact this track that you hear right now is uh called interlude 1a and it is from that album so yeah thank you for sending it that send thank you for sending it in <clears throat> i'm a mess today you guys let's uh let's give a shout out real quick to patchworks our sponsor um it's our local synth shop here in seattle but if you want it to be your synth shop and you're not in seattle they have a great website you can go to p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com patchworks Com. Um, seriously, I love this store. They do so much cool stuff for the community. Um, Cindy, the co-owner, was uh, the first real PodMod guest, so that was pretty cool. And here we are at uh, episode 49. How crazy is that, you guys? And while we're talking about Patchworks, I want to remind everybody that Patchworks is throwing an event for Chloe Harris, a.k.a. Rika, who has been... Um, She's been one of my biggest influences as an electronic musician, and she's just uh, just a great person. Um, and her her youngest son um, has been fighting cancer for a while now, and uh, Patrick's will be doing a benefit show to help raise money for Chloe and her family, and that will be at uh, 
the substation on April 14th, and that's in the Ballard, Fremont area of Seattle. Um, and I just got word, they asked me if, uh, if I wanted to auction off a guest spot on the podcast, because they're going to do a silent auction. Um, so... Yeah, if you uh, if you are in the Seattle area and you're just like I want to be on Podmod, um, come in and and you know help out for a good cause and, and you might you might get to sit in in the hot seat, in the pod seat. Eh, that's that's okay. That's all right. Also, want to take a moment to talk about the Patreon. Thank you all to my subscribers. You guys are awesome. Um, and if you would like to help out the show, go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Now, what Patreon is, is just a site where you can uh, donate to um, creative people that you enjoy, uh, you know, whose content you enjoy. And uh, you can do a small amount. And then the idea is you get a lot of patrons and then a small amount from each individual becomes a decent amount for the creator to uh, do more create more create stuff like t-shirts and stickers which i've been talking about and today actually is one year and a day after we released the first episode and i don't have any swag yet that's that's not okay but good news i've got someone working on some designs um for stickers and t-shirts i think i found my sticker people i think i found my t-shirt people so that stuff's gonna come and uh i've been asking my patreon subscribers and you know just the the internet should the shirts say pod mod pod mod bod or podular modcast and right now it's kind of a it's, it looks like it's a dead dead heat like it looks like it's kind of tied up so if you have an opinion you know shout out to me what you think it should be who knows if i get you know if like 15 more of you guys come on patreon this month i could probably do both so you know just throwing that out there i mean do you spend how much do you spend how much do you spend on like a coffee every day? If you go to Starbucks every day, you're probably spending what, like at least at least five, but maybe five to eleven dollars a day if you're doing that before work, or whatever it is your daily ritual is before you head into the office or to the the job site or whatever. What if you gave me a dollar a month, twelve dollars a year? That's not that's not that tough. I'm panhandling right now over the internet. It's such a weird world. We live in a simulation. Should I feel guilty about this? I kind of do. But I, 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 gotta, I gotta put that behind me, right? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out. I'm ranting. I'm having fun though. It's nice out and I'm uh, feeling good. And I'm feeling especially good because I think I'm done with an album. And uh, it's actually been playing under, under my rants for the last few minutes in right now. Um, yeah, and I'm going to have Nathan Moody master it. So um, what you're hearing right now is not mastered yet because I haven't sent it to him. It's on its way, Nathan. But let's talk about obsidiansound.net real quick. Do you have an album that you want mastered? Do you want some mixed notes? Do you want it mixed? Uh, Nathan Moody is the guy to go to. Um, and if you don't believe me, let's let's take a look at some of his, uh, his past clientele. Um, a lot of the past guests on the show, actually. We got Donald Crunk. We got Dark Sparkler. We got R. Benny. Ever heard of him? So, uh, yeah. Go check out obsidiansound.net if you're looking for any, um, any mix notes, mastering, or mixing in general. And tell them I sent you for a discount. All right. 
We're going to get into our chat with Eric Petra of Landscape here in a moment, but um, I want to I want to do a, a little demo for you. And uh, I just got the Steady State Fate SSF Stereo Dipole Filter, and um, it's it's kind of been knocking my socks off. So uh, yeah, let's check that out. Okay, okay. Let's get to know the Stereo Dipole Filter by SSF or Steady State Fate. This thing is super fun and it's robust as all get out. Um, and you know what? I haven't looked at the manual yet because what I like to do with complex modules or really any module is get get a feel for it a little bit and see how far I can get with my own dumb brain. Um, well, maybe not dumb. Let's call it middle smart. I think I'm middle smart. Um, <clears throat> So I'll use my middle smart brain to try to figure it out. And then um, once, once I feel like I kind of got my hands on it, I will, uh, I will look at the menu or the, the manual that is made by uh, a definitely not middle, but higher smart person than me. And, uh, and usually it'll help me kind of grasp the concepts a little better. Um, because if I, if I just go into a manual with no hands-on experience with something, my eyes just glaze over and nothing happens. So, I figured I would like to um, maybe document that whole process that I just uh, described by uh, let's get to know this stereo dipole filter together over the next few weeks. Um, So I think for today, I'm just going to throw some signals into it and start messing about with it. I'm not going to get too too into the details. If you're a detail person, I mean, there's some pretty good videos out already about it. Go check out Steady State Fate's website um, and the user manual. Um, there's a lot of people out there using it right now and doing some really cool stuff. And it is, yeah, I can't wait till I fully understand it because I can already tell right now just by just the the, the few times I've used it since it showed up is... It's versatile, and I'm going to be able to do a lot of cool stuff with it. So, without further ado, okay, so I have the Pittsburgh Modular Microvolt 3900. Here's a clean signal. And then I've got the Angle Grinder from Schlappy Engineering. Here's its clean signal. Sequence coming from the Turing machine into the uh, microvolt, and then from the Turing machine volts expander into uh, the angle grinder. So that's the dry signal. Let's run this um, the microvolt into the A input of the stereo dipole filter, and let's just check out its uh, its pole A output. Right now, this is in ban- uh, low-pass mode. Some manual fiddling with the frequency. But there's also the stereo frequency in the middle, so you can play with both of them at the same time. So that's pretty fun. And let's take the Schlappy Engineering. Or... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's what it is. I'm getting confused by looking at all these modules in front of me. And let's put that through the, um, the B input and then check out the, uh, just check out the pole A and this is in bandpass mode. So let's, let's check out them both together. Cool. And 
we will check out the dipole outputs from each one of those. So I'll take them down in the mix and let's check out the, uh, the Schlappy Engineering Angle Grinder through input B, dipole B output. This is in low pass mode. And then we'll take the dipole B output from the uh, microvolt and bring that into the mix. And this is in high pass mode. Cool, now let's hear them all together. Cool. Now, give me a second, which won't be a second because of the editing magic time machine. Um, and I'm going to plug some CV into this and we're going to really see how fun this thing can be. All right. I've got uh, channel one for maths coming out and it's going to go into the resonance A input. So let's see what that sounds And then I've got channel four for maths going into the resonance B. Now let's throw some sequences from the voltage block into the FM input of A, and it's got an attenuator, attenuverter, and it's just left of noon right now. And we'll put another sequence from voltage block into the FMB, and this uh, attenuverter is just right of noon. Now let's turn off the signal and just listen to the filter with the CV going into it. And let's bring those signals back in. So yeah, there you have it. There's a quick and dirty little uh, test of the stereo dipole filter. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna really get to know this over the next few weeks. There's a lot of CV ins I'm not using and some outputs I'm not using. But uh, let's just uh, let's just stop here for now and get into this chat. All right, I'm recording. Um, okay, recording. I just that's my vocal marker. <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Eric uh, P Pitra, Petra, uh, Petra. Pronounce your last name. Petra, Eric Petra. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I think the people hmm. need to know: is it landscape? Is it landscape .fm? Is it landscape FM? I've heard. When I talk to people, I, I yeah. feel like uh, everybody calls it a little something different. Now, your logo is just landscape, but let's set the record straight, like, officially right now. It's landscape. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's, it's landscape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, like, so many brains just about blew up just now. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> I should have made the pause a lot more okay. long, like, a lot longer and more awkward. Yeah, like, I was just about to say... Like for real, and then I was like, oh, "No, no, I can't. I, can't, I gotta wait." So yeah, yeah, good, good timing. <laughs> um, um, yeah, just landscape. 
just landscape. Okay. So I um I want to I want to kind of go through uh your stuff because it's super unique. I'm I'm sure most of the listeners know about um all or at least one or two of your devices, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to just mm-hmm. learn more about you and your background and uh as far mm-hmm. as music goes and when did music and technology join was one preceding the other in any sort of uh significant mm-hmm. way or yeah right um wow let's see um well i started as a lot of i guess kids do like playing guitar uh-huh. and then sort of buying a couple guitar pedals and thinking mm-hmm. well these guitar pedals are kind of cooler than the guitar but um also the guitar <laughs> is cool um it's a common theme so but, far yeah <laughs> yeah it is um, with me, I guess what feels like slightly different is I didn't end up like just going nuts and buying pedals and getting super into the pedal thing. Um, mm-hmm. I was in like a punk rock band in high school, that kind of thing. Um, okay. And then I, let's see what came next. Um, I took some big divergences away from music though. Um, but okay. music was always sort of there. Um, I was always like in love with music, I guess, um, all different styles, I would say. Um, and I was really into photography for a while. Um, I'll come back to your <laughs> initial question, but I was, I was really into photography for a while. So I was like a semi-professional photographer, I guess you would say, um, okay. working in New York for a short time. And then, um, I was a, well, what was next? I was an artist assistant for a while, so I was also doing photo assisting and uh, painting for an artist. And uh, and then I started working in um, started working in set building, um, building uh, store displays and sort of environments for parties and stuff for a visual merchandising company for a lot of years, like five years. And then I started my own set building company after that. And so I was building sets for photo shoots. Um, and then I decided to work on some ideas that I'd had for the last five years, but had thought, oh, someone's probably going to do that. Yeah, someone's uh-huh. still probably <laughs> going to do that. Oh, no, no one's done it yet. Uh, I guess I should hurry up and just try this out. And so then <laughs> I made the uh, HCTT first. Um, and okay. I have a few other ideas that that are probably, I guess, six or seven years old at this point that I still have to try to get to. Um, <laughs> but then I guess to go back to like the virgin, like uh, combining of um, music, uh, I guess your question was about music appreciation and or just music and technology. Um, mm-hmm. I'd always... Um, like I said, had a big love of music. And I, let's see, I think it was like 2001, 2001, 2002, when I first moved to New York. Um, I'm originally from California. Um, And uh, I moved to New York and I started just working with, I guess, a DAW, D-A-W, DAW. Uh-huh. How do yeah. you say that? <laughs> um, yeah, I never I never know which one it is. I hear both. When people when people first uh, said da to me, I thought they were just having some like weird like uh like brain freeze moment like, you yeah. know, I'd get into my da and what's going on? Some sort of I think it's like duo, like it's Long Island, <laughs> right? Duh. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. 
<laughs> I think I, I'm going with that. I'm never yeah. going to say dog in. It's all okay. Dual. Good, good. <laughs> um, so then, uh, let's see. I was just uh, doing a lot of weird guitar looping, overlaying, uh, and vocal stuff. Um, even though I didn't really listen to weird music, I guess. <laughs> but I was doing that for some reason, and um, uh-huh. and then I bought my first uh, synthesizer, which was a Juno 106, which I guess a lot of people seem to have as their first synthesizer, I think. Um, yeah, at least from I a mean, certain time. There's period. a reason, though. I mean, yeah. for sure. It's... You just see it, and you see all the sliders, and you say, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take, I'll have that. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I had that, and then I just kept, um, that got me more into electronic music, and uh, I just kept making more things that uh, sort of steered towards electronic fully, and started buying way too many synthesizers and drum machines and everything. And, um, (laughs) and then, uh, started getting very obsessed with, uh, the tonal characteristics of each synthesizer, probably way too much. Um, and also all of just the beautiful interfaces and all the different design decisions that different designers make and, uh, and the, the, and sort of getting obsessed with, the way in which those seemingly simple design decisions can really steer um, the performer's decision making and and just sort of guide their process. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Now, like that that answer in context with uh, just knowing what your stuff looks like and and what kind of. Uh, just what kind of involvement it has with the user it's uh more than your average piece of electronic gear so that's that's an interesting thing i wouldn't have thought of but when you say it it makes perfect sense thanks um yeah yeah uh it sort of um i guess became an obsession and uh and and um so i mean what i guess a lot of people experience really similar things of just buying a piece of equipment um, and then selling it really quickly because it doesn't work for them. Uh, but uh-huh. also maybe getting, guilty. yeah, guilt. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not giving it a fair chance. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a thing. Um, and, and what else? I guess that, what I was getting at is, uh, I did that a lot and I think I feel like maybe I learned something from that. Possibly. Mm -hmm. I also probably didn't learn a lot of things by doing that, by (laughs) by selling things too quickly. Um, Uh And uh, I guess. I think there's a middle ground there. I mean, there's. (laughs) I think you have to honor yourself. For sure. And and maybe that's maybe that's a crutch I lean on for for some of my bad habits when it comes to gear. Mm -hmm. But there, there are certainly things that I get and it's almost like an album that you hear, like you can, you're not feeling it right now, but you, you Mm -hmm. feel like there's something there. So you're going to work on it a little bit. Absolutely. Um, and then some, you just know, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, I I can't think of any specifics, but there's, there's definitely been pieces of gear that I've had to, you know, I guess, well, I guess maths is a great example. That's probably a pretty Mm -hmm. stereotypical example, but like, I didn't know what the fuck it was when I first got it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I still don't know, but I still use it in every patch. So, you know, yeah. So you can't, you can't actually know all the things that you can do with maths. I know. I don't think anybody does. I don't even think Walker Farrell knows everything. Yeah. Tony doesn't know. Or Tony or Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. JK. So, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm wondering unless unless you're. you're I didn't want to cut you off. No. No. Oh well, okay. I guess I was gonna say. Um, what was I gonna say? That. Uh, um, there are certain things where you, you get rid of them too quickly. Um, but, uh, you may, you may have learned something from that experience of getting rid of it too quickly also. So I agree. Mm -hmm. There are times where well, I've definitely rebought things, but also the, yep. <laughs> sort of the, the cycle that people go through of rebuying things, I think is also part of the experience. And also it's, I think it's really true. Um, and something that I, I think about a, a good amount is that um, when you buy an instrument uh, for a particular project, you are that particular person at that particular moment in your life. And then if you buy mm -hmm. it, let's even if you bought it, you know, like a couple months later, which, you know, probably isn't the best practice, but let's say that you bought it a couple months later or you bought it a year later, you are technically a different person and you're going to make different decisions with that particular <laughs> instrument. I 100% agree. Yeah. So for before I got into modular, actually, the first, um, like my first three full length albums that I did, and then some EPs, I'd always, I would each album at least, um, I'd kind of start messing with different pieces of gear until I kind of found what I what I liked out of that, and then yep. that would be that album, and then I, I would kind of expunge just about all of it. And yep. then try to get more, like a whole new setup for the next thing to just because I guess it was, a, it was a way to keep myself honest, but I also really like trying, you know, I just like gear. So I think it was mm -hmm. also maybe a, um, that's, that's <laughs> an a artistic thing. justification, but I, I, it was real. It wasn't just the gear. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, both that, can that's, be that's true. Real thing. Both can be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think both are important too, because, um, if you, there can be several things that you like about a particular instrument. Um, some of them can be superficial. Some of them can be uh, like having it be deeply in tune with your tonal needs at that given time. Um, uh -huh. But I think uh, like <laughs> the thing that I'm obsessed with and I've said before is um, the power of the interface over the user. And I think that certain interfaces um even if you don't technically uh right off the bat love the tonality of a certain instrument certain interfaces will still allow you to get to a place um that you wouldn't be able to get to with any other instrument i mean i know it's like that's an obvious thing but um i just find that kind of endlessly fascinating that that the interface yeah. facilitates that that so that a designer could have made so many thousands of different choices and so many thousands of different combinations of, of of parameters that they choose to put on their their interface and whatever sort of layout or um you know composition or uh mm -hmm. you know mechanical and um and, and tactile um different combinations but all of those things when they they get put together um just just sort of uh almost bring you to a different spiritual place, which, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit uh, cheesy there, but I think oh, that dude, you're, you're going that, right down the alley. I always <laughs> want to go down, but I always stop myself because I feel like no one else wants to talk about it. So yeah, I'm actually going to take Let's... back that about cheesy. It's not cheesy. I think it's real. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do. I, I don't I, actually I believe what, what I said is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Cause I deeply believe that it, um, 
that it can it can help facilitate um, an experience and that experience you know is different from person to person um, I totally agree and I wonder I mean I know I know in like actual interface as far as like usability and playability um, mm-hmm. it, it it gets its fair amount of credit. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not as much as the actual like function and the, the end result of a mm-hmm. piece of gear. But I think part of that interface, and this is something that I've heard, you know, hear a lot of people poo poo and, and you can get too far on the side of what I'm about to say, but mm-hmm. the interface part of that is the aesthetic and how much does it invite you to mm-hmm. interact with it just mm-hmm. as a, a visual piece of art. You know, I, I see some pieces of gear and I'm like, that is a piece of art in itself and i want to play it with maybe not even know what it is or what it's going to do Mm -hmm. i've had things kind of draw me in that way and then and then you kind of follow those those steps okay well the interface is pretty cool and i'm getting cool stuff out of it so it's right i don't know i think i mean you definitely don't want to buy a module because of the way it looks no on its own but i don't i don't know there's a reason people you know spend time designing them to look cool so (laughs) right right yeah, it's, I think it's really, yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, I was going to say something. Well, I think with I yours, um, oh, I got you covered. Okay, great. Uh, I think, I think with your stuff, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a really cool melding of what what I was just talking about as far as like, um, the way it looks and the way it invites you in, and then what you can actually do with the way it looks, because like, your design. I mean, like, especially like, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like the stereo field, for instance, is like, it might not, um, like occur to someone that a lot of that stuff on the faceplate is what you're supposed to be touching and interacting with. They might just think it's a design. Um, yeah, so that I've, in itself is, is really compelling. I've seen that happen actually, but not, not super, uh, not super often. But I've uh-huh. seen people come up to it and they just start turning the knobs and they just look at me. <laughs> and um, it, do, it doesn't happen that often, but I like when that happens. Um, other people see it. Well, I guess, you know, obviously there are people who are versed, really, you know, really versed into synthesizers uh-huh. and synthesizer history and all that stuff. Um, so that obviously helps. Yeah. Um, but I sort of like that moment where they're like, oh, okay, great. Um, or maybe not okay, great. I don't know. It depends on the person. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, what what I was going to say before I re- remember is that uh, sort of um, the, the aesthetic portion really um, kind of screwed me over in a lot of ways uh, with <laughs> my uh, acquisition of synthesizers because, uh, of course, as sort of happens to people, you start looking at the older stuff and for me at least mm. a lot of the older stuff is just ridiculously gorgeous and i can't I, it's, yeah totally it's really it's really a problem um mm-hmm. to just because i just well, i think want. it's romanticized too for for people that, like, like that's real. for a piece of gear that was around before we were born mm-hmm. then it's 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 not just it doesn't just look cool because at face value it's also associated with whatever kind of nostalgic things we are what kind of mm-hmm. we're, maybe we're into this particular type of sci-fi movie and that mm-hmm. triggers that part of our brain and Absolutely. yeah it's yeah it's a whole thing yeah it's a whole so. thing <laughs> it is very eloquent today yeah yeah that's it's what, a whole thing <laughs> it's a whole thing um <laughs> and i think i think that i like on some of the older stuff how um 
there's so much space around everything. Um, mm -hmm. The instruments are larger, and so the tactile experience and the user interface just allows space for the person to work in, and mm -hmm. that is immensely satisfying to me. Um, one of my friends, one of my friends, uh, good friends, Avilo Georgiev, uh, who's a collabor frequent collaborator, and we make music together and uh, and art. And uh, he's actually one of my after I after I um, after I finish, well, almost finish an instrument design uh, or interface design. I bring it to Avilo and I say, "So, what do you think?" And I just re leave it really open to him because I really appreciate his. Um, uh, all of his aesthetic decisions, and he's mm -hmm. and he'll just sort of like help me finish up the final fine tuning. He's like, you could lose this, you could move this here, you could, you know, shrink this, you could move this here, and and it's always sort of a, it's always sort of a funny thing because both me and him are like massively obsessed with vintage synthesizer design, and we're always just completely nerdy now about the tonality of this synthesizer or that synthesizer or this uh -huh. this um, interface design decision and these knob choices and these slider choices and these button choices. Um, and so it's, anyway, what I'm getting to is uh, it's just really nice having him around, I think, and someone who shares um, the same, and, I, and he's probably partially guilty for getting me into vintage synthesizers, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think like in a lot of artistic endeavors, it's it's nice to have um, a sounding board that mm -hmm. that you trust, that you know understands your your kind of your aesthetic and your personality, right? Um, and that and I know his. you can trust to be honest. <laughs> exactly, like you yeah. guys. It, uh, I, you know, I've had that with one of my my best friends growing up, mm -hmm. just making music together. You know, he, you know, I could always, you know, when you're showing somebody a song, there's always kind of that part of you that's like, you know, like insecure, but also like kind of like, oh, I hope they really dig this. But when mm -hmm. you sh when I was showing him a song, it was more like just like just give me the facts, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's nice to have that. So, yeah. um, something about that I haven't thought of before, but now that hearing you talk about it, I would, I would say that your design aesthetic is like, um, retro futuristic. Like it almost looks like what people, you know, in the past would have thought the future would have looked like or something. That's like, interesting. Does that, make, I, does that make sense? Yeah. Cause it has I've, a retro look to it, but right. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I've had other people say similar things. Obviously, I'm, you know, very influenced by a few people, um, like Don mm -hmm. Buchla and uh, Peter Blasser and, uh, wow, who else? I don't even, I'm like losing all of my, uh, I guess Tom Whitwell <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, it, what's funny is I'm actually staring directly at the the current HCTT prototype. Um, uh -huh. And I actually have the names of people who influenced me written on the circuit board inside of it <laughs> oh, that's um, cool. <laughs> to sort of like make sure I honor them because, uh, I just, you know, there are, there are design decisions that I make that wouldn't have existed without, you know, people like them. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. and also my friend of name is in there and also Aaron Van Zant who works for me, uh, who, uh, she solders all of the, uh, stereo fields. Um, <laughs> okay. so I have a okay. lot of, uh, a lot of influencers um, and really, you know, trustworthy people in my life who, um, who, uh, who give me really great, uh, who are great sounding boards, I guess, like you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to hear, you know, I feel like you could look at, look at your, your stuff and, and play with your stuff. And, and then if you, if you didn't know you to be asked who, like, who do you think designed all this? Like you could really go anywhere. So to hear, I mean, your stuff's unlike anything else out there. So to hear you, you know, like kind of humbling, humbly paying homage to all these people is, is, is very endearing. So I like, I like that. <laughs> Awkward well, compliment I, moment. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's important because, um, I guess what, well, I know you, I know you liked, uh, I can get into something that I'm kind of really into, um, as well, which is the fact that your sort of, um, sort of creative direction can be changed at any particular moment for, from any, you know, to the smallest, to the most massive outside influence. And so mm -hmm. I think it's important to honor really massive influences and also in some ways, hopefully honor small influences, uh, because, you know, that's how ideas get made. There's no, there's no other way around it to say that, you know, like you're not, someone's not just like, Oh, everything is coming from within. And, you know, I've, <laughs> uh -huh. and I've just, right, I've right. just made all of these decision decisions, uh, solely just by myself. So I think, yeah, well, there are yeah. those people who have had the influences and still probably don't say that. So yeah. And they are, uh, they're probably pretty annoying, but, um, <laughs> so, you know, well, something that I was thinking of earlier and, and, um, here I go, I'm going to do that. The assume, sure. the assume ass out of you and me thing, but I'm ready. So you're talking about earlier, uh, with guitar pedals and, and being interested in guitar pedals. My first thought when you mentioned that, and then thinking about your stuff after you said that you didn't really go crazy in buying a bunch of stuff, were you, did you start circuit bending stuff? Was that kind of how you got into the tinkering side and the design side? No, actually, I... Um, <laughs> I need to get a sound effect. <laughs> it, well, it's... Uh, it's <laughs> I guess um, you wouldn't really be able to guess because uh, I'm 100% not an electrical engineer, um, uh -huh. which, I mean, other people would be able to guess. But um, I simply just had uh, a really simple idea to make the HCTT. And um, so I just sort of worked from scratch attempting to uh, learn, learn a bit about circuitry. And also um, just when I started that idea, like five years ago, yeah, four years ago, mm -hmm. four years ago. And um, the, for the first model, essentially. Um, and so what I did was, Thankfully, it was a really simple idea, right? And so that uh -huh. helped me in just executing it because it happened to be a simple idea. Um, and so that was a good way to get started, I would say. Um, just so you sort hadn't of by really luck of the draw. Okay, so you you weren't really like like a like have a kit building phase or or anything oh, well, like that. You kind of just little. more like had an idea and then got into it, or. I'm sorry. Yes, I have built kits. <laughs> I did build <laughs> kits, you know, a few years before that. Um, sort of the, a lot of things that people, you know, got started with, like, for example, mm -hmm. Ray Wilson um, and the music for out of music from outer space. Um, right. What uh -huh. is it called? The that noise one that a lot of people made. Wow. I have it right um, in front of I've me. Got and the, I'm yeah, the books are just <laughs> an arm's reach out of the way. So, or is that? I'm not thing? honoring yeah. where I know what you're talking. Right was it a noise toaster or something like that? It was. 
the other one. Uh, is it like it's like drone something or I don't? It's it's a drone device. Uh huh. Um, with a couple <laughs> oscillators and a filter. So many people are listening right now, screaming at us. I know, and I'm like, I'm very sorry. <laughs> and also, um, Ray, Ray Wilson was great. Um, so, uh, yeah, I started with that, and then I, I built like a, a Zox box, <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, what else? A few other little things here and there, uh, which I can't remember right now. A few just, um, I think I had, I had like a synthesizers.com system. And so I would like, (laughs) I had this really weird phase where I decided that, um, I no longer wanted my synthesizers.com system to be quarter inch jacks. And I attempted to change everything to banana jacks and design my own panels and put like (laughs) buccal knobs on everything. Um, crazy, uh, crazy weird, like, um, sort of panel layouts with, uh, like swooping, uh, knob layouts where they make like a C shape or like a pyramid shape with the knobs. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, and then I eventually like <laughs> had to abandon that because I think I ruined a couple modules or I, or like I didn't finish building all of these like kits that I had, had built, um, specifically for that. Um, yeah. So, so that's when I realized that maybe I was obsessed with interface, when I decided to just <laughs> sort of sell all of these old synthesizer.com panels to confuse people. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so let's, let's lay out what the HCTT is. Um, sure. And then maybe go into what the, the, the second version will be uh, adding to it yes. or subtracting to it. Yeah. So the HCTT is the human controlled tape transport and, uh, what I mean by a simple idea is it simply allows you to um, play a cassette tape using your hands only. So there's no motor. Um, you are the motor. And uh-huh. uh, you can, on the first version, it was just, um, it just had one knob and you could only go forwards. Um, I initially wanted two knobs and then I started to get pretty worried about how much resistance happened when you had uh, one knob inserted into each spindle so i was like all right i'm just going to make this as minimalist as possible and went with one knob um Mm -hmm. and that was really it there there was just like a a momentary mute switch on it and uh you know uh it was very minimalist and it was Uh in like a silver brushed aluminum case and i (laughs) i uh stupidly um or smartly decided to brush all of them and acid etch all of them myself and uh, i did like (laughs) i think i did 360 uh, of them myself in one year but that included also notching out the case with uh with um (laughs) by hand like sort of notching it out with this crazy metal cutter and and then using a file and everything and i really got tired i was really tired there was a lot of chemicals there was a lot of uh (laughs) A lot of manual labor, uh-huh. doing all the drilling myself, all the circuit, you know, all the circuit boards, everything. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, and I was like, I burnt myself out after a year, honestly. And mm-hmm. so then, and I felt like, you know what, I sort of would like this to take a different form in the next one. And so over the over the past um, over the past, uh, let's see, I guess it's been two years almost since the last one was out, maybe two okay. years. Um, I forget. And, 
it took, you know, various forms over those past two years with different revisions. And I was always not really perfectly happy with it. I, I also tried to make this bigger version and then realized that it was getting way too complex. And to get that complex with a hand crank tape device, I decided that I was going to introduce way too many problems and people were going to have way too many mechanical issues uh, as well as other issues um, and that I should avoid that. Um, and so I downsized it a bit, simplified it, but also added some more functionality. And so in its current form, um, it's an all-PCB enclosure, uh, gold, uh, immersion gold plating. Um, it's a 2.4-millimeter thick PCB uh, case, so it's crazy sturdy. Um, uh -huh. And I just wanted something that... Uh, I like things that are sort of self-referential, um, and so I wanted, like, I was like, okay, well, if the, you know, if the circuitry goes onto the PCB, then let's just bring the PCB to everything and include the PCB as a, a very purposeful industrial design decision. Um, and so because of making that choice um, a little bit earlier on, it helped facilitate other design decisions uh, further down the road in the process. And so all these happy accidents happened, um, which is sort of a way that I like to try to aspire to have happy accidents happen. Uh -huh, um, yeah. And so uh, where it's at now is uh, it has two knobs. It's forward and reverse playback. So you can scratch um, like vinyl. The old one you would have to scratch uh, in one direction. So like tapping, uh -huh. sort of scratching technique or make a really difficult to make uh uh, cassette loop, which probably drove a lot of people insane and had a lot of people hate <laughs> me. And, um, yeah, it was, it's pretty intense. Um, so with this one, uh, you can scratch like a vinyl record just by using the two, two knobs, uh, uh, one after the other to go forwards and backwards, um, fairly quickly. And then it has two cranks, uh, one on each knob. And so you can get slightly better, stabilized playback forwards and backwards um although this the main idea behind it is to introduce human imperfection um and into the sound you know so you're never going to play it perfectly because <laughs> you're not a uh -huh. machine um <laughs> and that's that's the point you know uh to sort of like honor those mistakes that you make and hopefully uh have really great um results and happy accidents from those mistakes that you would normally never be able to get to and especially mm -hmm. since uh, i'm kind of obsessed with the idea of like as zero latency as possible this being a uh this being a like basically fully mechanic mechanical device um you s your sort of connectivity to the sound that's ultimately created is this kind of spooky feeling um at least that's <laughs> how i that's how i feel um uh -huh. other, other other people i see other people interact with it and they will say similar things so like what's well, it's incredibly responsive and it's like, well, yeah, you're you're directly spinning spinning the cassette spindles, um, uh huh. And so, uh, I could so even, probably take some practice to to get maybe yeah um, desired effects out of it that maybe you would assume would take a certain movement, but actually don't. Or I don't know if that made sense. But yes, yes, like you start to understand um, sort of the. You understand the mechanics of a cassette slightly better because what's funny about a cassette is the way it was designed was was to move really slowly 
Um, it's always surprising mm-hmm. to see people, or and myself, I got surprised. But it's surprising when people realize how how slow it takes to turn a cassette to get it to normal speed. Yeah. And so that was really helpful in making this device like a reality because if it was something where you're like cranking at a ridiculous speed, it wouldn't be fun. First of all, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, cranking at a faster speed would probably help with stabilization, um, which one of my friends, uh, keyed me into. Um, but, uh, this is, I think is a lot more fun and allows for, I mean, you're just, you can do just do like the tiniest little movements and just hit like this little, like a, like a snare drum and just sort of scrub this snare drum or a particular syllable and some word that someone's speaking, um, and just get really fascinating sort of liquid type sounds. Oh, it sounds like a lot of fun. I want to try it out so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And it sort of has like, um, it sort of has like this therapeutic effect is kind of what I think ends up happening. At least to me, I, other people have told me that as well, but like you sort of, um, you start getting just zoning out on like a little fra- fragment of sound and just like, what can you get out of this little fragment of sound with a really well, minimalist motion, you know? Uh huh. It's, it's kind of a, 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 a really brilliant idea in the sense that it's um it's it's in the realm of like you know technology music or musical <laughs> instruments you know you, you you would you would associate it at, at you know at first sight and because it's basically sampling mm-hmm. um with electronic or hip-hop or something but mm-hmm. it is it seems it sounds like it satisfies a very like um what's the word like primitive not primitive that's but um well, some, you know some sort yeah. of like um that that kind of like uh just just being just having your body be part of making the music you know like like an instrument yeah, um, yeah. but in a very interesting and very new but yeah but kind of simple way i don't know it's it sounds sounds fascinating and they it looks great i have to say too like the the new design the first one looked oh, awesome you. this new one looks really really cool um thank you so much yeah um Shit, we're already halfway through, and we got a bunch more devices to get through. I feel like we could talk about this one for um, for a while. But just before before we change the subject, when is when is uh, version two going to be out? Well, I've uh, I have a few people who did like a sort of a crowdfunding pre order thing with this uh-huh. one um, to help me get through the final design phase, um, and I just want to publicly thank all those people because uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, that's amazing support and, uh, it wouldn't have happened without them, you know, putting their faith in me getting this finished. Um, but to answer your question, it is very close and I'm working with, uh, I'm working with, um, an electrical engineer to finish up the design and, uh, we're just working out the last couple bugs that I wasn't 100% happy with, um, mm-hmm. on the PCB and ordering the PCBs and we'll start building them in about, I think about four weeks from now, I'll be able to start building them and shipping them out. Um, yeah. And to the listener, that's more like maybe two weeks. So there's a, there's some weird time warp stuff. There's for some you guys time warp stuff. Head around. So I'll yeah. make some people more upset, <laughs> other people less upset. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, oh, but I should actually, t- I didn't even finish telling you all the different, uh, I'll quickly tell you the other features. 
Okay. Um, so there's a there's a touch mute switch on this one, which you probably saw that glowing maybe LED uh-huh. that comes through, uh, which when you touch it, it turns off LED, which also signifies muting the audio uh, from the mod- mono output. And it has a tone knob, uh, which just uh, boosts um, bass a bit and then all the way back uh, cuts bass. And then it has oh, cool. a gain. Yeah. And then it has a gain knob. Um, which can drive it into a little bit of overdrive. Um, so it, you know, dirties it up. Like, uh, there's a bit of hiss there when you start to get into the upper, upper zones, um, and some distortion. And then, uh, sort of in play with that is, uh, an IO touch plate. There's two, uh, well touch plate. That's a, that's sort of a overly complex term for what it is, but you can, uh-huh. um, directly interact with, um, the tape head, uh, or touch where a spot on the on the top of the interface that goes to the tape head, which kind of turns your body into a, a radio antenna. Um, so oh, if you're in a good okay. spot, you know, uh-huh. um, I should say that also very loosely because um, if you're in a good spot, well, good depending on what you like, uh, you'll uh-huh. pick up, <laughs> you could pick up radio stations or multiple radio stations, which is in my studio. I pick up uh-huh. like NPR and also a religious radio station simultaneously which is great um uh and then you if you touch both of those together um then you create feedback so a lot of like you know intense feedback and and clicking and uh you know uh slow waveform type things and then if you that also exists because there's an, an audio input which doesn't go to the tape obviously but the audio input goes through the circuitry which means that you can also feedback the audio that you're putting through it so you can use it as a sort of lo-fi overdrive um and sort of uh lo-fi like touch mute with that and then also uh you know use the the io touch plates to destroy and mangle the incoming audio uh, and also the the touch feedback uh, destroys and mangles what you're do- what you're doing when you're manipulating the cassette while touching those simultaneously. So you can like overdrive the crap out of the <laughs> the cassette while you touch those, which is <laughs> so very strange. Uh, all that play, yeah, like it just got that idea that I was thinking of the, of like the playability of it and like the physicality of it, like all of those features that you just mentioned, like just add to that, you know, just make that 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 initial idea I had about an excitement about it even like cooler. So yeah, this sounds like a really, (laughs) really cool improvement on an already cool thing. So I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to trying that thing out. And CV gate out as well. (laughs) Also. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's great news. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Um, Um, I took up a lot of time. So yeah, go ahead. Hit me with the other. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite all right. I mean, I think that I think people are are really going to be excited about that. But I know also um, uh, listeners who are who are fans of yours are are, would hate me if we didn't uh, dive into the stereo (laughs) field a little bit, too. Oh, sure. Sure. I'm just kind of curious. So that was that like the second thing then that you did? The second thing was technically the, um, I'm going to just, you know, derail you more. The second thing was technically (laughs) the all flesh, um, touch connectors. I I am a huge proponent of all flesh. Those things are so fucking cool. Yeah. I've, I've, I think I've built two kits now and just such amazing, amazing live tools for your modular synth for the listener. If you don't know, they're just, 
they're basically little copper pads, like yep. touch pads that have a jack on them. And you plug one in to maybe a, a LFO out and then another into, I don't know, your FM input for your, uh, for your oscillator and then touch them both and see what happens. And what I like to do is yep. use multiple fingers mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of like put multiple sources of CV through and it travels through your body. That's just, that's the crazy <laughs> thing. Like <laughs> explaining that to people when they first use it, especially if they're not like familiar with modular synthesis at all. Right. That's just kind of like a mind blowing thing for them. So that's, uh, sorry, I just explained <laughs> your thing, but as you can oh, that's hear, fine. I've, I fucking love them. Um, good, good. Okay. Well, we just started talking about them. Everybody yeah, yeah. who was like, yeah, stereo field is now like, God damn it. But yeah, let's talk about <laughs> all flesh then. Oh, um, sure. What, where'd that idea come from and how did that all come into play? Cause it's brilliant. Oh, thanks. Um, well, I'll just be honest about how the idea came about. Um, which seems it's like sort of, I guess more personal, but, um, I was actually, uh, meditating on the Island that my grandmother was born on. <laughs> and, um, my, my grandma was born in Haiti. Um, but I wasn't in Haiti. I was in Dominican Republic. Um, and I was just like literally sitting on a beach meditating. And all of a sudden the idea popped into my head. Um, and I was like, wait, where, where did that come from? I, you know, I have no, I I have no idea. Um, Uh and the idea was as you've seen just an incredibly simple one. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, sort of as the distilling down to like the least amount of parts possible. And then, um, the most simplistic, um, the most simplistic, like, uh, way to combine them, which is just solder. Um, and I kind of wanted it to be as sort of out in the open and as, um, as sort like, so, so the idea behind all flesh is to impart, um, human, um, human, uh, what would you call it? Human mistakes, conductivity, Conductivity, but also like human mistakes and, uh, humanness into a little bit more into the modular realm. Right. Uh Um, so there's different things that can happen with all flesh. Like for example, if you, uh, if you put just one all flesh into, let's say like uh, a filter uh, CV input and then touch it. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear just like random fluctuating voltage, which technically just means you're, you're inputting uh, radio frequencies into that and just disrupting it just a little bit and just wavering things slightly. Um, so that's the first thing. There's no, there's no, you know, protection against like sort of doing things wrong right uh-huh so uh-huh. then the idea is sort of like you see everything about the idea when you get this kit right you get a jack and you get um a plug rather and you get a bare pcb and you solder you know the plug to the pcb and you're done mm-hmm. um yeah so Great it's sort DIY of like it's sort fun. of just you know trying to trying to be as simple as possible. And then hopefully like this is sort of, well, I'll get, I'm going to kind of circle back into, I think why I like to do sort of the designs that I like to do. Um, and I think that that is, um, 
I want things to be, well, first of all, like sort of self-referential, like it has to like sort of the idea has to be honored in a way that it looks and also be honored in the way in which it's um, ultimately it comes to fruition and the complete product, you know, mm-hmm. um, I want it to, I want it to actually sound like it looks also. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, that, at least that's, that's what I hope. Idea. I like that. Uh huh. That's uh-huh. what I hope. You know, people will probably disagree <laughs> with that, but I'm like, oh, to me, maybe it sounds like it looks. Um, well, I think your stuff can sound very like each thing can sound very different depending on who's using it and for what. So, um, but but it still has its own sonic characteristics. So it's mm-hmm. like that's I don't know. That's it seems like. It's always gonna. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm getting kind of lofty now. We're, we're, we're both like edging <laughs> on, uh, on what my friend uh, who listens to the show is calling uh, the, the hippie shit segment. Good. But it's, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's my. I will talk about this all day. I think it's important <laughs> that that people. When any, when it, <laughs> whenever someone has that like inclination, because I do it too. Like I'm like, oh, that's hippie shit, or that's too, you know, that's to whatever uh i think Uh it's important to listen to why (laughs) why it feels a little bit too over the top to you um because i experienced that also um and i'm like oh well maybe it's because like uh, that was kind of right or maybe it's because it was too hippie shit i don't know um it just depends (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well well and my big thing is when people like and my friend says that in all good nature he's he's yeah 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 um, but oh, so do when I. people do, yeah, when people do like kind of come down on, uh, you know, you know, hippie shit for lack of a better word, it's pretty all encompassing. It's like, well, wouldn't you rather that be the case? It's so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the good stuff know. happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you can't explain it. Well, that's, that's kind of fun, but right. yeah. So um, I guess what I was trying to get to then <laughs> is that, um, is that the idea of all flesh is to impart uh, a like slightly more human experience um, into like modular patching, right? You're just like Mm -hmm. injecting all of this, you know, your body um, in, uh, you know, in different ways. Like for Mm -hmm. example, if you have like two, two all flesh that are close to each other in your system and which means that you're able to like span that gap with one hand, Mm -hmm. you're actually, what that means is, you're attenuating the signal less. And then if you have something that's like at a far end of your system where there's no way you would ever reach it with one hand, you're attenuating it way more because it's going through your whole body. Um, right. So and we're weird... not buffered molts. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an interesting... And you know, like, the... the Just the... the um, the playability of them, it, 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 they lend themselves so well to... Um, uh, creating opportunities to breathe life and um uh what's the, like not variation but uh yeah variety i guess and and just like d- d- making it patch more dynamic in a live situation you know like mm-hmm. so it 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 gives it gives the user an, an opportunity to to like actually like play it and have some agency on on feel changes and i know right. you can do that with switches and everything yeah, but it, yeah. there there is something that's kind of like it's it, it it's different it's different than just using a switch and it's different than plugging a jack in for a second you know like because right. you can you can use these almost like if you're grooving out and you're kind of dancing and you're really like in your patch 
you can that the movements that you're making can become part of the patch that's way harder to achieve with like trying to plug in uh you know a 3.5 millimeter jack in a yes. rhythmic fashion while you're dancing <laughs> so um yeah, yeah so it's it's yeah though it's i think really, that would look really, really cool. fascinating yeah, if you could pull it off, but I know it. I'd, I'd just break a jack off inside of a yeah. inside of a plug and and the input. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be that'd be terrible. So. Yeah, um, yeah. So those yeah, those are super cool. I love that they they came to you and just like it's you know it's one of those classic cases where you're not trying to think of something, but you're doing something that is ultimately like healthy for your for your brain, mm-hmm. and it gives you one of those little rewards maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hippie shit. Woo! <laughs> Welcome, everyone. <laughs> I'm just thinking like... We're here. Oh, man, I... I'm going to have to have you back on and we'll just have to do like a, a special hippie shit episode. Um, Great. <laughs> just drive people crazy. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's, act, let's talk to this about the stereo field then. Cause okay. I know people want to hear about that. Um, it's such a unique and crazy looking, sounding instrument. Um, where did that idea come from? And, 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 yeah, just tell the story of the inception of that thing through the, the production of it. Um, so I was in the forest in Colorado. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at Big Sur. Um, I was at um, Ojai. <laughs> so let's see. Where, where did that idea come from? Um, I was let's reading see, Be I, Here Now and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's come up with some more titles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, man, that is a hard, so it's, it was a few things. Um, it sort of spawned actually, which very thankfully spawned off of the work. I was very simple work. I was doing with the HCTT circuitry and, um, it was sort of a weird, uh, sequence of events where, I had someone, oh yeah, I also forgot to mention, um, uh, Meng Chi is another big influence on me as well. I really, Mm -hmm. I really like Meng Chi's work. Um, and so I was actually in a discussion with Meng Chi and, uh, and he was like saying stuff like, um, do you think you could make like a, uh, an HCTT where you could like touch the interface as well? And, you know, and, and he actually wanted me to make him like a, you know, a custom one. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. I feel so honored that, you know, that you want a custom HCTT. Um, I never got around to doing that because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> um, and it, <laughs> I didn't end up having time also. And also, you know, I was sort of like doubting my abilities to do that, pull this off correctly. Um, but, uh, you know, through some of... Meng Chi's just suggestion of simply just doing that. Then I started like looking into, you know, the whole sort of circuit bending thing of just, you know, touching circuits. Um, Uh And so obviously like, you know, this has some Peter Blasser influence as well. Um, And I was like, well, um, I could make sort of a very strange touch uh, feedback device. Um, uh, and by the way, all this is like going on what, when I didn't completely understand, uh, how the, uh, 
uh, what's it called? The Stein Crackle Box worked. Yeah, uh-huh. Are you familiar with I'm the Crackle not, Box? I am, I'm not, no. So what I found out after making this from one of my designer friends was like, oh, it's like a Crackle Box. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, what happened with this podcast in Darwin Gross's show. I was yeah. like, oh, shit. <laughs> Which is, you know, is really silly. But I literally, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really put them together fully um, mm-hmm. in my mind, which, you know, should have been a little bit more obvious. Um, thankfully, this does a lot of different things than the crackle box does. Um, and now I love the crackle box. Um, and I, this probably also wouldn't exist without the crackle box. Just, I wasn't as aware about it as I should have been. Um, Uh and, uh, so obviously this has features that are very different and, uh, like processing audio, destroying audio. I guess I, you know, sometimes I feel weird about saying processing because, processing to me uh implies some sort of precision <laughs> but there's <laughs> there's zero precision about uh-huh. what is happening um but that's why i like it because you are just you're sort of you're experiencing it it's experiencing you and there's this sort of like more intimate conversation between you and the instrument and you're mm-hmm. you're searching for sound and it's sometimes it's sort of supplying you with something that you might find pleasant other times things that are very not pleasant um or to you it depends on the person <laughs> yeah i've right? heard i've heard that thing makes some pretty some pretty sh- like crazy shrill noises but i've also heard people, yeah it, it, yeah it's 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 an interesting thing i love it yeah um so then sorry uh, i kind of derailed you there but. oh that's okay um so then so i i had this idea because of the HCTT circuitry, I realized like, oh wait, what if I just sent audio into this as well? What's that going to be like? And so I literally did a few experiments just touching some circuit boards while I was sending audio through it. And I was just, I was floored. I was absolutely Uh floored with what it was doing to the audio. And I was just like, yep, that, that's what I want. Absolutely. And so I, and then I, and then I started thinking about, you know, interfaces more and how I want, you know, um, I want it to be available to both hands simultaneously. And then I finally realized like, oh, I should actually just do two circuits. And then those two circuits could then be connected, um, through your body or through one hand or through multiple hands. Um, and then I started, you know, to realize that like, well, what I'm using is two stereo circuits. So then I can have two, you know, left and right input on this side, left and right input on this side, left or output. Um, and then it started coming together like that. And then I wanted it to be self-referential. So then I started to think about, well, what does that mean for this? And what does that mean for something that's, uh, that has a sense of immediacy and, and, and touchability? And again, through just sort of sitting with that idea and uh, really allowing it to like, hopefully slowly bubble up, uh, I just came to the idea of uh, including, you know, this uh, this inner connecting concentric circle, circle pattern, which actually, you know, represents the stereo field itself. Right, um, right, yeah. But then this technically is like quad-ish, <laughs> I guess you could say. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, and then very late in the game, I realized that, oh, well, you could just send out the resulting feedback you're creating with your hands as as like a modulation source or, you know, to your modular and just see what happens. Or you could feed some, 
CV in and I just left it as open as possible. So it's just, it's just doing everything wrong and, and the, you get to listen to the results of that, which isn't yeah, always, will, you know, available <laughs> to everyone. What I, right. What, what I, what I love about the stuff you do is, is the way it could stand alone and be so far away from modular. Um, but just, at, just having the CV controls, the, the ins and outs on the stuff so you can interface it with that it's just it's just such a great idea and i feel like you were kind of uh i feel like i'm seeing that more and more i mean of course there's always been stuff that has a little bit of cv in and yeah, out but yeah i don't know i feel like we're gonna see that more and more on more so. standalone things and i think you're ahead of the curve on that and um it's just such a such a brilliant idea um because i could see you know i could see easily playing a set with just the the hctt and a stereo field but then i'm like well what if what if i brought my uh you know my it, whole modular it system starts into, adding up you know? real fast <laughs> yeah yeah and it could yeah. really go in totally different directions right. um man we are we're like we're burning up this time but I, yeah. I, there's just a few more things i got i sure, have sure. to ask you about um that what was, how did you get hooked up with Arca with that feedback poll and what the, just what the hell's going on with all that? Cause that's crazy. Yeah. So that I feel just incredibly honored to be, to be able to work with her on that. Um, she's such a incredible performer. Um, like I'm obsessed. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with her work, all of her work that she's done for other uh -huh. people and also her own work. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, let's see. You want to know how that came about? Or you? Wanna... Yeah. Yeah. Did um, she reach out to you or like? Well, I mean... it's... I'll try to make it a quick story, but it's. Uh, I actually <laughs> I sent so I I collaborated with my um, my 13 year old nephew. Um, we were just like working with my live setup in my studio, and and he's just like just a genius, uh, you know, at music uh -huh. at from a really young age, and so he's just can you know feel melodies really quickly and and guide things really quickly um and into interesting directions so i like recorded uh him performing this like crazy vocal stuff while i was like um while i was like manipulating his voice with a with a pedal a delay pedal and then i was like wow this kind of sounds this has this sort of arca vibe and then i sent it to arca and then the next day I got this response just saying like, Oh my gosh, he's so beautiful. This is amazing. And I was, you know, I was like, well, um, that's, I'm really glad you like it. And also I make instruments. Do you want one? Do you want some shit? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want one? Um, so, uh, that started a conversation and then, um, we, we were in touch about, an idea that she had and um I was very excited about that that particular idea and I and I said yes absolutely let's let's try to make this happen and the timeline was incredibly short um I I you know I had to just try to make it happen and um sort of uh it happened in Paris um mm -hmm. I had probably uh, a week in order to make it fully oh, happen. <laughs> um, and, uh, so that was stressful. Um, but I wouldn't, I probably, you know, looking back at it, I probably wouldn't have had it any other way because it was just, you know, I think that probably helped 
with just uh, getting things pushed along and like um, and sort of uh, it probably helped with the direction a bit or something. You know, I, I just well, feel it, like yeah. all those things are real. It, it kind of makes sense too because it seemed like the way she performed with it was so like so visceral and raw. Yeah, that yeah. Maybe like having a short window of time to you mm-hmm. know not be able to like really go over it with a fine tooth comb, fine yeah. tooth comb. Maybe it just worked out for the for the best. So, um, and yeah. I've, I've so where 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 can people go and and see that? I know it's on your Instagram. Is there any yeah. like uh, is there is there any place where it's it's shot like in more long form or? Not that I'm aware of yet. Um, okay, maybe. Uh, maybe later that's going to be a thing. But, um, right now I don't have any access to any of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like there was a couple like blogs and, uh, I think like, was it like fader or something just posted my Instagram. Was it fate? No, maybe I'm getting that wrong. Wow. I'm an idiot. I forget it's which fact, fact it was fact. Wow. Fact. It okay. was fact. Yeah. They posted, um, uh, just my, Instagram video. And other than that, I've just seen like a few things that people post online. Um, and that's it. Uh, but it was I've, incredible live. I, there, I've never I've, experienced, oh, you know, it was one of the most beautiful, beautiful performances I've ever seen. Um, and, and I would and talk for like it, an yeah. hour about it if I could right now and tell yeah. you all about it <laughs> and tell all the listeners about it as well. Um, there was so many different facets to it and the way the instrument changed over the three performances was cool. And, so it was, yeah, it was the whole thing. It was so, yeah, that's such a cool, that's, that's so cool how that worked out. Um, and, um, uh, so a few more things I want to yes. get through, um, your, your cases are, are uh, like, they're fucking awesome. They're so cool looking oh, and the patch organizing system is so simple, like, like brilliantly simple. How is that not like a part of every case? Like you, I love that. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm in the market for a three U, and I'm Thanks. looking at yours. I'm like, that's probably the one I need right now. <laughs> so, um, how did yeah. what what gave you the idea to to make cases? It's just there wasn't any out there that like suited you, or um, well, I had I really like cases, and I really like um, I really like birch plywood a lot. Um, my whole yeah, stu- look, my whole studio great. is like birch plywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a nerd for that, I guess. And, uh, uh, I think, so for me, Eurorack was, uh, I really love certain things about Eurorack, but since I'm someone who is like annoyingly, uh, obsessed with uniformity, I think, um, <laughs> I was like, I wanted a case that sort of, that's, you know, I don't know if it's doing this, but this is what sort of my part of my attention to sort of, um, to like encourage a, a greater look of uniformity throughout your system with the case design itself, which is why I made like that border around everything. Uh, uh-huh. um, I love that. I which in some ways, as well. Oh, thanks. Um, some ways I feel like kind of helps maybe facilitate that. Um, I just wanted, uh, sort of each of your, your, your blocks to feel like contained and taken care of almost. <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, I get that. So, yeah. so the framing of it just felt like it sort of just brought that. And, and then like, um, I wanted the panels to be more flush. Um, 
and and have that be a thing where it like invites your hands to rest on the side of the case, the front of the case, um, where everything feels uh, like streamlined in a certain way. Um, and then the patch cable idea was just was just literally like I have pegboard in my studio and I was putting uh-huh. banana I was like trying to organize a bunch of banana cables and so I I was like oh I can just put banana cables into the pegboard um and that works pretty well and uh and I was like oh I could just do that on a case uh and so I started like thinking about doing that on the inside of the case and I was like oh I could do that on the top lip and have everything hang over the back so it's just out of the way but really quickly accessible to the performer or when you're in your studio um mm-hmm. and sort of have almost the the patch cables going over the back as like an aesthetic thing that that helps you as you're as you're going along that just makes you feel a little bit more calm i guess um yeah oh because man. that's a thing as with somebody, me with with modular uh, <laughs> as somebody who's sitting like who's touching uh their shitty mic stand that has cords draped over it patch cords draped over it like, <laughs> yeah a little order would be would be very calming <laughs> can you jingle so them was, will that make a beautiful sound if you jingle them right now <laughs> well it was okay <laughs> yeah it was all right <laughs> um and then another thing i wanted to, to touch on um well mm-hmm. t- there were two more things that you you uh from the, now is it just from the cases or is it all profits you donate 10 percent to the s1 library in portland yeah so um yeah just the the profits from the cases um okay which we'll unfortunately go got yeah go buy some cases unfortunately that guy kind of slowed up um because I, I realized i they're so expensive to make because i really want to pay the people a lot uh-huh. of money who are making them um pay people well make sure people are taken care of and so then i realized oh crap i really can't sell these to dealers because of wholesale pricing um, uh, i see uh-huh. so i'm like if people want to buy them you're going to have to buy them through my site. Um, so that's a thing. Uh, that's what you get for being a good person. <laughs> but then, you know, I want to also, it, the, the hard part is I want to be able to donate as much as I can to Synth Library because I really believe in their mission. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. I had Alyssa on a while ago now. Yeah, um, I listened yeah, to I that. Lo- I love what they're doing. Yeah, that was great. Um, well, let's just take this opportunity to tell the listeners that um, – the S one library is, is just such a cool, um, just entity yes. and force in the, the modular mm-hmm. scene around the world. One, there's one in Portland and then there's one in, um, why am I blanking right now? Um, I know where it in is. Prague. It's in Prague. Yeah. It's in Prague. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so if you want to help, help out, go check out their site and donate some money to do some yeah. really, really great work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Donate, and, donate. Well, so yeah, I think that's that's so cool, and I, I think that's why I just assumed you're in Portland, but you're actually in Brooklyn, right? Um, and then uh, you have a, you do a little tape label as well. Well, it's a uh, it's a very um, me centered tape label. <laughs> it's only, me too. I, yeah, I know what it's like. <laughs> it's not. It's like not technically a tape label. It's just I put out some of my recordings on that. And that's where okay. I put out my music. So if people want to listen to work that I've created, uh, they can go there, landscape tapes at bandcamp.com. Uh, some of the tapes are sold out um, and they can buy digital stuff. Hopefully I'll be able to make more tapes uh, soon once I have some time. Okay. 
So buy one of your tapes, get an HCTT, and then <laughs> manipulate yeah, it. Yeah, then go fuck it up. Um, yeah. So are you uh, are you down to do a patch challenge or? Maybe I am. You, don't, you could do you could do it on your on just your stuff too. I just had uh, Earthquaker devices on, and Jamie Stillman did one with just a guitar and his pedals. So I don't really nice. have strict rules. Um, yeah, I would love to do it using my stuff. I, I think well. So to be honest, I kind of have a setup going that I'm I'm pretty into, and maybe I would just use that and interpret what your word demands are with that. If that's okay, cool with that you. works for me. Okay, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you, the listener have a severe problem, um, what's your personal email address? Just, (laughs) (laughs) all right, let's, uh, I'm going to get this, uh, this, I go to this thing, creativity for you.com to generate these because I was just tired (laughs) of trying to write them all down, but sometimes they just don't do good ones. So I have to hit a few times. (laughs) I love that (laughs) the name is, um, so not creative. I know creativity for you. Like that's great. <laughs> yeah. Whoever did that is genius. <laughs> yeah, welcome to phoneditin.com. dot com. That's awesome. Um, they knew what they were doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, these are just so shitty today. No. Um, that's all right. We're we're gonna work till we get one. You could give me the uh, worst one possible if you want. I could. Uh, that but, would be I mean, they're not they're not like fun band. They're not fun bad. Like thorough existence. Ooh, that's pretty awesome. You want to if, try Thorough Existence? I'm sorry if everyone out there hates Thorough Existence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, see what you can do with it. I'm not sure if it's going to facilitate any sort of musical <laughs> result, but I like it. Let's take a little break here before we get into this patch challenge to listen to what the stereo dipole filter can do. It's uh, made by SSF or Steady State Fate, and I'm going to use uh, a couple of my other favorite synths with it, um, the angle grinder from Schlappy Engineering. So I'm just going to run a drone into the A input of that, and let's check out the pole A output of this guy. Now, that sequence that you hear, that melodic thing, is not going into the angle grinder. I'm actually running a sequence from the voltage block into the one volt per octave on the stereo dipole filter. It actually has three volt per octave inputs. Um, And uh, we're gonna check out what that second one sounds like when I bring in the fold wave from the Microvolt 3900 by Pittsburgh Modular. So let's bring that guy in. So I've got two similar but different sequences running into the A and B volt per octave inputs of the stereo dipole filter. Now I've got the dipole outs each going in to some effects. So I haven't actually triggered the effects, but I'm just gonna bring those up right now. Now before we turn these effects on, there is a, there's a spread knob, which I'm messing with right now for spread A. And that has to do, and then spread B, pretty subtle. And um, that has to do with uh, why it's called the dipole filter, I imagine. But we're still, we're still pre-manual on this event- adventure. So, um, so yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make any definitive statements on that. But let's, I got some, uh, some math channels running into the uh, spread A and spread B. Let's bring those up. Maybe. 
and I just switched dipole B to high pass mode just to throw, show a little bit more of that range. And for fun, let's throw some of this through some effects. I'm using the uh, the AI006 Stompbox adapter so I can use some of my pedals. So I'm going to run uh, pole A, which has the, uh, the angle grinder going into it. I'm going to run that through a Memory Man by Electroharmonics, and then a transmitter from Earthquaker Devices. And then I'm going to run the uh, Microvolt through another AI stomp box and into the uh, Spatial Delivery <laughs> from Earthquaker Devices. And then into the Downward Spiral Delay from Mr. Black and the Eterna Reverb for Mr. Black. And let's just make it a huge filter modulation party and bring in the Phantom Operator on that angle grinder. Now I'm gonna manually mess with the stereo frequency knob on the dipole filter. See how you can use the uh, the stereo dipole filter as uh, its own voice, which has been really really fun. Um, stay tuned next week for me actually learning a little bit about it technically and talking about it in that regard. All right, let's check out "Thorough Existence" by Eric Petra.
super cool patch. And I want to thank Eric for coming on and uh, thank you for listening. Go check out landscape.fm at HCTT Mark II is coming out soon. Um, I'm really excited to try that thing out. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to Waveform Magazine. Check out patchworks.com and um, pick yourself up a steady state dipole stereo dipole filter this thing is super cool and while you're at it grab yourself a pittsburgh modular microvolt 3900 uh they play very nice together um yeah let's uh let's uh let's enjoy the sunshine while it lasts and uh next week episode 50 kind of a a special special episode i'm going to be interviewed for it so i'm looking forward to that until next week